Every week, the marketing landscape changes and marketing managers, directors, and business owners try their best to stay up to date. The Dojo, brand new podcast series by Exposure Ninja, is here to turn the latest marketing news and trends into marketing tasks. Task or tasks? Which one are we going to go with? Uh, marketing tasks you can follow. I'm Dale. I'm Jess. I'm unmuted, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the Dojo. So we're in for a new year, which means a new podcast. So anybody who's been listening to us before will have known that we have the regular podcast, which goes out every week, as well as the podcast extra. We're following your feedback and how you've enjoyed our previous podcast over the past year. We decided that we need a bit of a refresh, and that refresh is called the dojo. So we're going to bring some of what you've loved across the past couple of months, last couple of quarters, and combine it all together to create the best marketing podcast possible. So our aim is to turn the marketing news trends and all the fantastic marketing stories that we have to share into actual marketing tasks for you to follow. And then you'll be able to go away and do something with that information later on. So this is how it's going to work. We're going to have Jess and Tim every week, as well as hopefully in the future, some guests as well. Each person is going to bring a new marketing bit of news or business news or marketing trend or some fantastic story to share. We'll then pick the best one. Well, I say I will pick the one how to get the most out of that story. So I'm going to start off by asking Tim, what is your marketing news trend business story thing to share this week? So mine is the news that uh, Perplexity AI has just raised a bunch more money at a pretty whopping valuation to try and compete with Google. And they're making some pretty bold claims in the press about making Google look legacy and old. So I think this has a lot of relevance for marketing managers. It has a huge amount of relevance for any business that gets any amount of traffic for Google. Um, and I think this taps into the trend which we're expecting to see more of this year, which is alternative ways that people will search to find products and services. Interesting. Now, I wonder whether you could dive in a little bit more into the idea of it being maybe a threat towards Google search. So obviously with the... Uh, addition of ChatGPT to Bing to create Bing Chat last year. There were a lot of uh, understandable fear that potentially that could affect how much traffic comes to your website, that Bing Chat is going to be a replacement for, for search in general. However, we haven't necessarily seen that happen. So just how much threat do you think something like this truly poses to Google search? Yeah, I think... It's, it's a really difficult one to, to answer. Um, obviously, Perplexity is is very well funded now. They just raised 73 mil at $520 million valuation. This is for a company that's less than a year and a half old with 38 employees, less than 10 million revenue. So right now, they've built a tool which is, is pretty cool. Um, I think it's definitely areas where it's a, a sort of a better search experience than some aspects of Google, but there are other areas where it maybe isn't so great. And I can show you a demo if you're interested. But I think the bigger question is, as more of these startups start to take a swipe at Google, are any of them going to succeed? I mean, logically, you'd say that if enough of these well-funded AI-focused startups take a swipe at Google, eventually someone's going to figure out an alternative model for search and potentially push Google to launch its SGE, which is its own generative AI search engine, sooner. So 
it's really difficult to tell whether any of these are, are, are going to disrupt. I think search is one of those which is so heavily reliant on user behavior, like ChatGPT with Bing hasn't really made a dent into Google's market share, it would appear. But that's because maybe the Bing chat responses aren't significantly better enough that people will switch their search behaviors over from Google. So we might just be waiting for that one killer app, which seems to come out of nowhere if you're not studying the space, but that completely disrupts Google and uh, and we end up with a lot of marketing managers caught by surprise. So I think it's really important that we stay on top of things like this, play with them, experiment with them to see how they work, just so we can sleep well at night knowing that, okay, we're at least putting our marketing eggs in the right baskets for now. Now, one person I know who's really hot on trends and understanding how people use the web or in apps is uh, Jess Percival. Um, Jess, You've you've been really like hot on on some like how people have adapted to using different apps like TikTok as a replacement for some of their social media usage elsewhere. How are you hearing or seeing or you know kind of putting in the research and understanding like how people are adapting to the tools like you know Perplexity and Claude? Are people starting to use them at this point, or is this mostly chat around? It could happen, or is it actually happening? Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot more people using it than were before. And I think it's really interesting what they're actually using these tools to do. I think more people are using them to do little day-to-day tasks or to ask little questions in the same way that we maybe thought voice search would work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think they're wanting these really tailored responses. I think that's going to be the thing that is going to be a big challenge for marketers is kind of figuring out how to give people something better than a response that's completely tailored to them and you can't give each individual a tailored response. But something that I noticed, it was really interesting that Perplexity is the one who is kind of shouting about this because personally I've used Perplexity and I remember typing in a question about Perplexity, right? I was like, can you do this for me? And instead of just answering my question, it searched the internet to answer my question. Now, if I'm asking a tool, (laughs) a question about itself, I would expect the response to be from the tool. I almost feel like the Google killer. I still don't think that will be the case. But I think the thing, the tool that comes along needs to be a nice combination of like Google, ChatGPT, and then things like Perplexity that do search the internet. Because like I said, I don't want to wait for Perplexity to scour the internet to give me responses about what marketing tasks it can do to me. And one of the click-throughs it gave me today was some other agencies responses that they were getting from perplexity and they'd asked it a few questions and it was their like agency account and I was like that's not good but I can see that um because when I saw the perplexity logo come up I was like cool I'll click through to that because that's going to be the source of this information and it wasn't and it just seems like they're almost why are they going out so far to come back in when Mm -hmm. chat GPT feels like it does stuff in so I think it's finding that balance between the two will be the the one that will rock everybody's world That's my thoughts on that one. I think it's going to be, as Tim says, uh, really interesting how apps like this come along. There there is quite a few of them. There's Claude and and what have you. Eventually, some of them are probably going to combine to become, you know, smaller, you know, join up units. There'll be fewer competitors to, to, you know, in the search space. But competition is actually really healthy. My query is whether they're going to take enough of that market share to really make 
a dent on Google, but I think it's really important that they are in place so that Google is on their toes. Otherwise, they aren't going to make the accelerated. Well, I think they've had a lot of AI stuff going on in search before. They just didn't want to declare it. But, you know, ChatGPT has pushed them to do a lot of very quick catching up or advancements in how search works. And I think that's really healthy. I think that's what's going to be necessary to get, you know, search where it needs to be for how people actually want to use the web because i don't think search has certain you know worked in the way that people have wanted it to for forever people have never really understood how to use google they had to figure it out oh i need to do these words in this order and it's very unlike how people think and talk and, and so on i think the opportunity is a bit like what jess said with with personalization so perplexity's got a pretty cool co-pilot feature where if you ask a question like I don't know, uh, help me reduce the CPA of my Google ads a little say, oh, okay, in which way do you want to, like, which area do you want to work on? For example, landing page or conversion rate, PPC or whatever. And then, you know, you choose that and it sort of prompts you to get the best, I guess it, it prompts you to work together to create the best prompt for a unique and useful output. And I think it's it's things like that which offer functionality outside of a you know a traditional boolean search for cpa reduction tips google ads like as you say dale we've been programmed with how to search google in a particular way but these tools they we don't really know the the extent of their capabilities and i think the potential is there that if they have sort of co-pilot functionality they can draw out of the information from us that helps them give us a much more tailored answer and i think if google is not prepared for that that could be a killer feature Feature which allows them to, to get disrupted. So yeah, I, I agree. I think there's perplexity is not perfect, but it's it's also super young. And I'd kind of look at this as a direction of travel more than a like here's where they're at. Is this thing ready to take on Google? No, it's not. Um, but you know, Google's 25 years old. What's perplexity going to look like in three years um, when they're two times as old as they are today? I think that could be really interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying there. <clears throat> but what I found really interesting is the examples that you gave in terms of like the co-pilot stuff. Like if I want a new mascara, I'm not going to need a co-pilot to kind of help me through that. So maybe there's going to be a shift in some of the traffic through Google is going to start coming through AI, but some of it won't. Some of it will just be, you know, it will might go to perplexity, for instance, but some of it will stay in Google because they don't necessarily need that same. They'll still want, still want that personalized experience. You know, it might be what's the best mascara for somebody with sensitive skin who wants to wear it swimming, who hates X, Y, and Z brand, you know, but you wouldn't necessarily need the co-pilot type feature for that. So I think we are going to see maybe a whole range of people who move over completely to something like perplexity or move over to it when they're doing their day-to-day -day work, but still use Google for like commercial searches or like mm. fun searches, I guess. I'm pretty conscious of time and uh, because it's a new format, I don't really know how this is going to go. Could go for an hour. So I'm going to take us on to the next bit, which is uh, Jess, I'd love to know what's your pick for this week? Yeah, I read a lovely article from The Drum that explained that the Cannes Lions, which is a huge advertising awards show, has added a humor category to its awards because they've seen a growing trend in like ads that include a lot of humor. Apparently, from kind of 2002 onwards, we've seen a real downtrend. And now we're starting to see an uptick again. Now, this was quite surprising to me because a lot of the ads that I would say play on daytime telly and stuff, I would say do have that element of humor. But I also noticed an advert that played on YouTube recently that I was like, that ad has been running for so, so long. It must be really good. Then when I read this article, they explained that 
it's a lot harder to write a good joke than it is to just say the good things that you're doing and do your positioning. That's probably why this ad has been running for so long because they just can't write a funnier joke. That, the joke isn't really that funny anyway. Um, but I did think it was it was a really interesting observation that it's a lot harder to write a good joke than it is to just share your brand's message. There's another YouTube ad that I get all the time from Galaxy that says, um, you know, we help people, including women, which I really enjoy that line. I think that's quite a humorous ad in its own in its own right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they just have just gone straight for here's our positioning. Here's some nice animation. This is what we're doing. Whereas actually, could they resonate more with the average person if they somehow tied the humor into that that entire thing? Like, I don't know how many people think that and women comment is funny, but they could turn that into a whole, you know, thing of like, yeah, that was a bit of a silly thing to say and makes us sound really outdated. Here's kind of an advert based on that or just some kind of humor. But this is the thing. You need to be so connected with your customers for this to pay off well, because the main reason people aren't using humor is because they're worried it's going to be taken poorly by their audience. And that's another reason why we've seen that decline in humor, because we've had so much stuff happen in the last 20 or so years that brands are scared to actually be funny because they feel like it might be inappropriate and might be taken the wrong way. Um, and so you really, really need to be understanding where your audience are and what they actually find funny before taking that leap there like I can see you're you're yeah. on the edge of your seat ready to say something <laughs> absolutely um i don't know if you've seen in the past kind of four or five days a lot of talking to the advertising and marketing community about a certain calvin klein ad which is quite possibly nowadays a bit dated um so it's um someone walking around in just calvin klein's uh, it's a famous actor from the bear i don't actually know their name but i just know yes. the person. so they're walking around some city and they start taking off their clothes and climbing over rooftops in their underwear and i'm thinking back to what you were saying before about the humor has to match what your target audience um is interested in if that's the way they're inclined if your product or service matches that kind of category as well like humor only works in so you can't be a funeral taker and work do comedy unless that's your angle but you know it doesn't always work and there's a i remember there's an insurance company that you've previously recommended you use humor as part of their brand identity um life insurance company yes the reason I bring up this uh, Calvin Klein ad is that if that's kind of looks a bit dated for nowadays and how people behave and the kind of stuff that you see appear and the kind of the, the discourse that stems from that kind of stuff like the classic Beckham ads it's basically that whilst that might create uproar and, and stuff maybe that's actually what people are looking for and it matches what the people who are buying that underwear are interested in seeing want to see it matches them like humor might match some products in this case a half naked person that somebody buying the underwear is not for themselves it's for their partner it matches their thinking of like oh i want to see my partner looking as good as that i'm going to get the underwear like if you understand your customer well enough you can find the kind of content that matches and, and works best for i actually saw a really interesting sentiment analysis study on that ad and someone had tracked i don't know if you've seen the same thing but someone had tracked male response and female response to that same ad um, throughout throughout the ad, uh, tracking the different emotions that people were feeling as the ad progressed. And the male responses were things like annoyance, fear, and anger. The female responses were all positive. And this was declared a success because apparently the decision maker for most underwear purchases is still female. 
and, and I think the point of that sentiment analysis was that it's okay for an ad to be polarizing as long as it's not like actively offensive it's okay for an ad to be polarizing and sort of required if you're going to super resonate with one audience you're probably going to super unresonate with another audience and i think humor has that same potential doesn't it in the example that you gave jess that's your um women uh, or people uh, including women is going to really resonate with one type of audience. It's probably going to fly under the radar with most people, but for some people, that's really, really going to resonate and that's going to sort of um, attract them. And I think the same opportunity is there with humor, isn't it? But it has to be done carefully because humor is always contextual, isn't it? It's you got to be, you got to match where the person's at right now, but you're also going to match what's going on in the world. And I think a lot of brands are concerned that, you know, say there was some horrendous terrorist atrocity and then, you know, their funny ad is seen on the news page with that, then it's going to look a bit out of touch. I think the danger with humor is that it only takes one person to veto an ad in that whole ad supply chain for it not to run. And I think a lot of the time these ads will get vetoed by somebody who's just a bit scared to run them, which I think is a shame. Yeah. Oh, you're muted. I'm muted. Thank you. Welcome part to the podcast. The... <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I've not done podcasting for a while. Um, so part of the the process for the podcast is that we pick out the story that we think is going to be most actual. We're going to turn that into tasks you can use later. What I sense with the humor element of this is that humor tends to lend itself more to pay to with paid social and to social organic social, but mostly to B to C. Do you see a B to B potential for humor in ads as well? Yeah, there was a wonderful example in that same drama article where I think the business workaday I think they might be called well they're a b2b business and I think they offer maybe software for um businesses and they decided to do an advert that included a lot of rock stars because they had the belief that um people in offices were like you're a rock star you're a rock star you know and um they wanted to kind of get real rock stars to come in and say well this is what a rock star actually is and I think one of the people they had in was Ozzy Osbourne but what they had to do is do extensive research to make sure that that was actually the language people were using in like like going into offices and saying, do you guys actually call each other rock stars or is this just one of those things that TV tropes have perpetuated or that we just think happens and it's actually really outdated? Turns out people say that all the time. So, you know, they, they played into that. So it is definitely something that B2B businesses can do because long gone are the days where it's just like the head of the business is the only person making all those decisions about every single thing that happens in the company every purchase that's made they've delegated that work to other people who are on social media who are hanging out and just looking at content that the algorithms decided is best for them i get so many adverts on my work youtube for monday.com for different crm softwares for different ppc tools because it knows that i've been engaging with a lot of marketing content but I'm not a building or a business. I'm just me. <laughs> but I still have that influence to potentially take these tools to the company and say, hey, I keep getting adverts for this. I gave it a little try and I thought it was really good. Could we integrate this into our into our work suite? Or maybe I'm the person doing the purchasing. Maybe I've been asked, hey, we're doing a new process. Maybe we need a tool. I've done that in different roles in the past where I've had to research tools, get demos from a bunch. So you can definitely do humor with B2B and it's often that kind of workplace humor and figuring out their pain points and what the kind of things that they like laugh about at work that's sort of related to you as well. 
yeah, B2B can definitely do humour, 100%. For me, the key is to remember that the goal of advertising is to promote and sell a product. And the goal of advertising is not to entertain. And I think I, I have a real problem with Christmas ads because the whole thing about Christmas ads is like warm, fuzzy feelings. And I don't think there's any compelling study that I've seen that indicates there's a relative uplift in, in sales as a result. So I think we've also got to be careful not to just equate ads that people like with effective ads because some of the most effective ads I've seen have been really ugly. If we're talking about like paid social ads, it can be super ugly, be very utilitarian. And, you know, I watched that Workday ad and yes, it's like a mildly entertaining concept, but I've got no idea what Workday does. So it's a bit like a sort of Goodyear blimp type ad where yes, it's cool that they've got influencers and that probably shows me that they're a large company. And maybe if I was considering Workday versus some competitors, that might nudge me over the edge. But as an introduction to a brand, that humor was just, they're just contributing some humor to my day without leaving any sort of brand footprint. And I honestly, I couldn't remember the company until you said it, Jess. So I think there is always that danger that marketing just becomes a short entertainment snippet production exercise rather than a advertising, let's generate some money. And I, I'm just saying as a brutal capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing I'm thinking about is, um, I think it depends on also the growth stage of your company as well, where if you're just trying to get your initial customers in, or you're trying to scale up and get more com customers coming through the door, whether that's through, you know, you're a service based business, or you're a SaaS company, you just want to increase the volume. For some businesses, they're slightly further in their journey, they're actually focused on, okay, we want to increase brand awareness. Okay, now actually, we need to focus on brand recall. It's not that we need people to know about this it's that we need them to remember us. And if a little bit of humor, makes that come back again in the future or I remember that ad because it was funny then it may be worth investing in but it really depends on again where you are in that growth stage so sorry just one more thing to add what well, you're right and it, it can actually do both so I remember I met the founder of the dollar beard club I don't remember them they had these ads on Facebook that went super viral maybe like 2015 2016 and they'd grown this company super quick selling razors and the ads were basically this um, like caricature dude with a beard walking through and there's like lions and all this crazy stuff, like wildly entertaining videos. And they'd grown the entire business off paid Facebook ads running this thing. And it was, it was pure humor. Like there wasn't much sort of feature to the product at all. Yes, they were talking about shaving and how this thing was going to make you like some super hyper man or whatever. But, you know, that was great for getting traction. And I guess the benefit of humor, particularly in paid social is, it increases engagement, which is going to increase the reach of your ads without needing to put extra budget in. So just to contradict everything I've said. <laughs> I just, just uh, was on Dollar Shave Club because I happened to uh, learn this the other day. Unilever bought them for $1 billion Dollar Shave Club back in 2019, somewhere rough that area. Uh, they sold it for a huge loss in the last like six months. Um, like they... The, the people that had that model were doing great with it. The marketing was great with it. And Unilever just wanted that share of the market and they, whatever, for whatever reason, it's just not worked out. And it's just, you know, it's been um, sold off. As a consumer, just to comment on that really quickly, I went on their website and just nothing is the same price point that it was. They're all the pretty much the same price as everyday razors, which I think is probably why um, they're, they're being unsuccessful. <laughs> 
Just to clarify as well, the guy I met was Dollar Beard Club, not Dollar Shave Club. Oh, okay, a different one. Yeah, piggy, it's like beard oils and stuff. Mm, I, just, I just looked him up. He's got a big beard. I was like, why Why would it have been an advert for razors when he's got a massive beard? But yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Quinter, enough, that's I think Dollar Shave Club did a similar thing, right? Anyway, so I think the point Yeah, um, very. Yeah. That's what I was, if I was to say. Well, super. Well, before I go on to pick that I think is best, and we'll uh, turn into tasks for you, just a little word from our sponsor. The Dojo is produced by Exposure Ninja, an industry-leading digital marketing agency delivering high ROI marketing campaigns to businesses around the world. If you want a taste of high ROI marketing for yourself and for your business, then request a free marketing and website review done by our team of ninjas. You can go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request a review, and our team will record a video outlining every opportunity we can spot for you to improve your marketing, increase your leads, increase your rank, increase your traffic. So that's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Super! There we go. Everybody's back. So <laughs> I think we'll do that as a, a bit. Oh, no. We'll bring. We'll do that as a video ad in the future. I think. I think um, that was so, a perfect ad read, Dale. You've just made a case study for all future podcast ad reads. Bless you. Bless you for being so kind. Super. So I'm going to pick the best story, and then I'm going to ask you each a question on how to turn these into ta- you know, actionable tasks. So I think of the two picks that you've brought, I think the one that is the most significant, marketing managers, directors, business owners, would be the perplexity AI one. Sorry, Jess. On this occasion, and since Tim is your pick, I'm going to ask you, Tim, what tasks can business owners take from this story? Okay, well, I think that, um, firstly, I'm flattered. I, I thought just as angle was going to Yeah, I think that as a business owner, these changes in AI are not just important marketing things. I think they have a wider implication and the changes are so significant that I think if you're a business owner, I wouldn't just delegate this stuff to your marketing team. I spoke to someone this week who said, yeah, I'm just going to send all this stuff to my marketing person. I was like, I, I wouldn't do that. I'd actually spend some time learning how these tools work and I would keep up to date with the technology yourself as a business owner or business leader because I think they are that transformational if you're going to be, you know, broadsided by a bus while you're pulling out of a turning, you don't want to delegate the observation to, you know, someone else on the team. So I do think that as a business owner, you want to spend time playing with these tools, getting to grips with them. And of course, watching the incredible Exposure Ninja discovery thing on how we rank in SGE, which is Google's version of it. So my advice is don't delegate it all. Yes, get your team to do it, but spend some time on this stuff yourself as well. Yeah, love it. Jess? Which tasks or what tasks can marketing managers, marketers, marketing directors take from this story? What can they do, go away and do today? I think the first thing you should do is go open a tool like Perplexity if you haven't already and just see the way that it works and the way that it pulls responses from its sources. Then you can kind of get an idea of how the AI finds the information that it wants that could then potentially feed your web pages and your brand name into the AI. And you can also test this with SGE, um, which is Google's version, which will probably have the more market uptick when AI starts to become a bit more mainstream, especially to begin with. But like Tim said, we don't know what might happen with perplexity in the next three years, let's say. But just test that out using, we've got a video about this, but you need to use a VPN if you're not in the US or be in the US if you want to move there or if you don't already live there um, <laughs> to basically test out SGE using Google Labs 
and then type in some of your common search terms or the kind of questions that customers ask that are longer, that aren't just the kind of thing you would type into Google and see what response is coming up and who is appearing and see if you can actually take those top spots, which is also in our very cool video and guide about SGE if you want to see something a bit more in depth, a bit more practical. It isn't just me trying to answer that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you did superbly well there. And if you are curious on where these videos are and the guides and everything, you can go to checklist you can follow too. You can go to exposure.ninja slash uh, how dash two dash SGE and you'll be able to find all of the content you need. And it's linked in, it'll, I'll link in the description later. It'll also be uh, in the chat too. So that would typically be whether we move on to asking our guests a few questions, at which point I'm going to scare Tim, because Tim, you are surprised going to be today's guest. So I have a few Whoa. questions. I hope you're prepared um, to ask you <laughs> before we, uh, we head away for today. So here we go. If you had just one hour to improve your marketing, what would you work on? Okay. If I was going to go safe, I would work on the new customer email automations so when a new lead fills in a form what's their email sequence that emails them and i'll make sure those are super tip top that's pretty useful that's going to be used many many times hopefully if i'm generating lots of leads if i was going to be a bit more risky i might risk that hour on producing a youtube video or making a social post which i hope would go viral which could actually have a much bigger impact uh, but obviously there's a risk of nothing happening yes. i would like to interject i would i wouldn't do either of those things i would call some customers and chat to them and find out the kind of things that they say, the kind of words that they're using, why they came to us. Cause I feel like then that feeds into every other area of your marketing. Yeah, I'm, the people, I'm the people person. Tim's like the doer and I'm like the reflector, I think in this situation. <laughs> Yeah, I don't but all, all of these were valid. All of these are great things. You Absolutely, can do I agree with all of them. I think that's a great idea and people don't do it enough. So if you just had one spare hour, I'd, I'd actually ditch my things and go and do Jess's thing. <laughs> Super. Next quick question. What would you do with an infinite marketing budget? Infinite marketing budget. Um, I would pay all of the articles that have written best whatever, you know, best razor for men or whatever online i would pay all of them to feature my razor at the top knowing how much all these ai tools are drawing from those articles to give their product recommendations it's going to be expensive but i think that will be something that would be useful in the future as more ai gets into search yeah absolutely i think that's a killer suggestion in that case which marketing skill would you recommend to the 18 year old tim when you're starting off your marketing career uh, persuasion and um, sort of uh, basic human psychology, I guess. <laughs> the universal language of marketing, of effective marketing anyway. Absolutely. In that case, what are you most excited about in marketing right now? That no one in our industry knows what our industry is going to look like or what the main tools will look like in three years. <laughs> I like that pretty much. Do you feel like you have a, a grasp on what people should be focusing on over at least the next 12 months? Uh, yes, the same things that they were focusing on last year, but with half an eye on AI. But outside of that, I think it's really up for anything. I think it, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like over the last year, we're just, we're just waiting for killer updates to come out and we could just be one update from things changing completely. So 
I think, uh, you know, when you're, when you're playing tennis, you've always got to be on your toes because you know which way the ball's going. I feel like marketing is in that state right now. And I, that's really exciting. Also incredibly exhausting, but really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you plan ahead and work towards an idea, that a landscape where SG is definitely the norm and that's just how search is going to be, even if it's only 75% of the way that SG looks now, you're going to be well positioned to actually do incredibly well uh, over the long term. In that case, my next question is, and uh, last question is, who do you think we should invite onto the podcast next? The head of Google Ads, so they can give us the inside <laughs> scoop on what they're doing with PPC and SGE. We may need to torture them to give them that info, but why isn't Google talking about PPC and SGE? Because we need this info now. Okay, I'll, I'll see what I can do. All right. Pull your strings, Dale, pull your strings. Yep. I have a few words where I can. Well, thank you very much for joining us for the very first episode of the Dojo, number one. I hope you've enjoyed it. It'd actually be really great to get some feedback from you. You can email us at hello at .com or just tell us how you feel. Or if you'd even like to be our guest in the future, you can email hello exposionintro.com and we'll see if we can squeeze you in. Thank you very much for joining us and join us next week at the same time at 1 p.m. UTC. Have a fantastic week and put those tasks from today into action. Take care.